0: Hey there, listener. Welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist podcast. My name is Vrai. I'm a contributor and editor at Anime Feminist. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WriterVrai or the other pod I co-host at TrashPod. And joining me today are Chiaki and Dee.
1: Hi, I'm Chiaki Hirai. I am a freelance writer and editor for Anime Feminist. You can find me on Twitter at Empress. Or Tiaki747. Uh, one's public, one's private, and neither have anything sensible to say.
2: <laughs> uh, and I'm Dee. I also work at Annie Femme, uh with these uh, lovely folks. And you can find all my writings on my blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can hang out with me on Twitter at Jose Next Door. Nice.
0: And we are coming to you today with a Sarzanmai retrospective. For those of you who don't know, Sarazamai was a 2019 one core series, 11 episodes, directed by the one, the only, Kuniko Ikohara. and it was also the, his co-director, or the chief director rather, was uh, Takeuchi Nobuyuki, and the writers uh, were Ikuhara and also Utsumi Teruko. Who has done not a lot of other series composition, but has done a lot of script work on other series like a uh, Natsumi Ujinchou, and is working on Uchitama this season.
2: Yeah, Uchitama is also a uh, Mappa lap and Track co-pro, which I thought was neat that they did this this big intense um, Ikuhara joint, and then we're like, let's do a cute show about animals, <laughs> and it's been really good. So why not?
0: Yeah. I mean, wasn't Lapin Ikuhara's studio that he kind of made for Yurikuma?
2: Um, I think so, but don't quote me on that. I know there is an extensive uh Sakaga blog post about it. Um, and I I am pretty sure that Lapintrack Track is basically Ikuhara's thing. But I don't know like what how how officially it came about or anything like that. So,
0: I just remember talk of it when the series was airing because there was a big gap where the studio's main productions were basically Yurikuma and then Sarazanmai. Yeah, they
2: haven't done much else, but it looks like maybe they're starting to get into working with MAPPA on stuff. Which I'm fine with because I like MAPPA and the two of them seem to uh, gel well together. Because Uchitama also looks really nice. so Nice.
0: Uh, D, you and I are obviously Ikuhara veterans um yeah. you've seen all of his stuff i've seen every everything but penguin drum someday we'll get to that watch along uh but chiaki this was your first ikuhara series wasn't it uh
1: yes under technicality i've seen episodes of other shows but this is the first time i've actually sat through a, a full show
0: i'm a little bit dying to know what it's like to sit through an ikuhara show with like just the The awareness of the mythos.
1: (laughs) It's definitely... I felt like I knew what to expect. And given the manga that came out a little bit before the series premiered, I figured it was going to be a little bit BL heavy. And I didn't expect it to be that... uh, What's the word? (laughs) Artur. But I, re- I, you know, I gelled with it. I gelled with it.
0: Nice. That interview where Ikuhara mentioned that the series ended up the way it is because just nobody's told him to stop <laughs> is maybe the most beautiful thing I've ever read.
1: I'm glad nobody did.
0: Like, I definitely auteur theory is one of those things where, you know, eventually somebody has to tell an artist no or they'll just start. They'll, they'll eventually spiral into becoming parodies of themselves. But, but. Ikuhara is one of those where his his idiosyncrasies really, really click with what I like to watch. So, I'm always into it. Oh, and uh, the manga you mentioned, by the time this goes out, I believe it will be available in English. Uh, my I think they, the English title is just Rayo and Mabu, but it's a sort of prequel, but seems to take place in a different universe kind of, Uh, that's about Reo and Mabu finding a baby Sara and raising her and doing cute couple shenanigans.
1: Is that a thing that happens where anything Ikuni works on is a manga before it's like an anime, but it's also kind of done at the same time and not exactly the same universe?
0: Yeah, so far all of his series have Manga that are basically a different take on the same concept, I would say, because, like, uh, the Utana manga has very little to do with the Utana anime and um, ditto the Yurikuma manga. Like, they are whichever one you like better is whichever one you like better, but they tend to be quite different in tone and even just, like, characterization uh, and narrative.
2: Yeah, and Pangodrum actually has um, like a trio of novels, like light novels to, that go with it as well That uh, My understanding Ooh. of the light novels is that they are more in line with um, following the anime, but, you know, providing more more background detail and like uh, peeks into the characters' heads and stuff like that, um, but I'm not 100% on that. Um, they have been licensed though, so I, I eagerly await the opportunity to read them and, and see what, what I can glean from them but yeah, he. I think every project he's ever worked on has had some kind of manga or novelization, uh, sort of companion piece, uh, to go with it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, which is, it's very characteristic of his work, and I'm not sure why he likes to do that, but it does seem to keep happening, especially and especially this case where he he works predominantly with with women creators, who do these these other pieces of media.
2: I think. Oh, it looks like Sarazama is gonna have a light has a light novel as well. That's fun. Um, yeah, I heard that. Uh, yeah, the manga, the real Mabu manga is Misaki Saito. I believe that's a woman. I know he. I know on the other things he's worked on, the other companion pieces have all had a uh, female mangaka on them. So
0: yeah, uh, Marshima Akiko and Harashima uh, Lily. I Hoshino believe Lily. Is the yeah. Famous BL. Yeah. Oh yes, I know Hoshino.
2: Yeah, Hoshino, uh did a lot of the stuff with Penguin Drum, like worked on that uh, with him.
0: It's interesting to me because I think one of the criticisms that gets sort of leveled at Ikahara is that he is, as far as we know, a a, a cis man who tends to write a lot about lesbians. Which is, of course, what made this series catch so many people's eyes because it's the first time he's done a show that is predominantly about queer male desire. And also nobody dies or... None of the good guys die. <laughs> Which I think we were all shocked about.
2: Yeah, it's... Um, again, I, I don't want to get too deep into his other stuff. It's just sometimes it can be hard to talk about him without sort of comparing it to his other works because he tends to cycle back around to similar themes and imagery. Um, but, hmm. like, I don't want people listening to this because they watch Sarazame and haven't seen any of his other stuff to be like, why do you keep talking about Yurikuma? I haven't seen it. You're spoiling everything. Um, Fair so, enough. So I we wanna will try to keep spoiling everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to be careful, yeah. Because I mean, I, you know, Chiaki. I would, it'd be fun if you uh, checked out more of his stuff in the future. So I don't want to necessarily give away endings and and be like, and then everybody dies, because that's not accurate either. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Sada Zanmai is um, a little bit more like straightforward, exuberant by by the end of things. Um, and even throughout, like, like I think Yurikuma is a very difficult watch, especially for the first, like, three, four episodes, three episodes, and then you kind of start, then there's a really good breath of fresh air in episode four, and then you start kind of start to get a feel for what it's oh. doing, and I think it clicks really well from there out.
1: I'll definitely say, back in college, I was considering watching Yurikuma, and I dropped it the first episode because it was a hard watch. I was like, yeah, eh, I'm okay with it.
0: Yeah. I'm prepared to go out and say the first two episodes of Yuri Kumar are bad actually.
2: <laughs> like I do love that series but boy it's Anyway. Uh, anyway. Yeah, um but I think Sadazama is more like immediately um joyful and like locks you in with the characters themselves as opposed to kind of like the big broader themes um which can make it a bit more accessible. Um, I, I think Utna is, I, I've, I've cont- I continue to argue that Utna is, is more accessible than a lot of people like to say it is um, because I think it also does a good mm-hmm. job of having fun early on and getting you to just care about the people. And then you can kind of start digging into the, the big ideas as you go. Um, and I think Sada Zanmai is um, somewhat similar to that. Although, boy, they sure do drop you straight into the uh, transformation sequences and the butts. So many butts right off the bat. Butts
0: everywhere. But I think you're right. It is definitely a case of Ikahara really trying to be accessible. Like, each episode is a thesis statement. There's a lot of deliberate labeling of, this is a meta, like, you know, this is A metaphorical item this is an allegory right i am an abstract concept
2: (laughs) yeah when the big otter says that in the last episode i just lost it i was just starting cackling i'm like that's it that's you are in a screenshot (laughs) so good
1: you otter believe it
2: (laughs) puns
1: yes um no but I, you know, for those of you listening, I just marathoned the entire series last night because I hadn't rewatched it in months. Um, mm-hmm. And in rewatching it, I felt it was very tight as a uh, story. Everything mm-hmm. just it doesn't skip a beat. I think initially, when we were talking about the, the series when it was premiering, we said, Oh, I love it. Episodes? Is, is that going to be okay? But I feel it might have even been that Ikahara said, no, I only need 11 episodes. I don't need a 12.
0: Yeah, like it's very, there are things it elides for sure, but it feels purposeful rather than we. this is how much time we had. We got to make it all fit. Like, I think there are lots of places where it could have expanded, but I'm definitely on, on team. I think this told kind of exactly the story it wanted to tell, and there's not a lot of extra. But I know not everybody feels that way, which is fine, because I can definitely see wanting to spend more time with these characters and the kind of complicated relationships that they have. How do you feel about the cross-dressing stuff with, with Kazuki early on? I mean, I know there was,
1: uh, there was a lot of talk about, oh, is Kazuki trans? Or something like mm-hmm. that, initially? And definitely... It was a nice thought to have but when I watched it I was immediately keyed into no this isn't trans, this is just somebody who Mm -hmm. probably doesn't want to be doing this is realizing it's not his identity but he's doing it because in a sense he has to in a way that kind, kind of falls into a trans narrative but at the same time I didn't Get those vibes at all?
0: I have a lot of characters that are that are certainly not canonically trans, but where where that reading really speaks to me, just because it you know they'll be disguising themselves to become this other person that's more themselves. Whereas with Kazuki, it's he's becoming this other person to become because he hates who he is and he feels like the real him doesn't deserve this place in his family, and it just felt qualitatively different to me emotionally which is not to which is not to shame any of the people who who really felt that connection to the character or or have that headcanon. it's just it it was very odd to me to see people upset at the series for not pursuing that line of thought when to me it wasn't coded that way from the get-go
1: yeah no i i i I agree with you there
0: Mm -hmm. and with him it gets into the whole all of this his his storyline and toys are very much about getting into that narrative of blood family versus chosen family. There've been a lot of shows about um, about adoptive kids this last year. It felt like, even though there weren't actually that many.
2: Yeah, I think it. I think it came up a fair bit.
0: But it's interesting in terms of this narrative that Ikuhara wants to talk about with, you know, bonds. Because he, it's framed a lot in terms of desire, and I think we'll get to that concept of how it works with, with queerness and romantic relationships. But th- he also establishes this broader scope of, you know, what is a connection? Is it something that, does it only count if it's, like, tied to this nature of assignment or duty or, like... Uh, being naturally born into it like you have the the kappa prince and that whole royal bloodlines thing and you have kazuki feeling like he doesn't belong to his family because there's this uh because of his his mother and it's interesting to see that woven in uh, in such a way that you know and also to this massive issue of guilt i'm i'm sort of just babbling incoherently it's fine
2: (laughs) no i i I know what you mean um it yeah i mean the again the whole concept of i want to connect and i think the show touches Mm -hmm. on um a wide variety of relationships um and certainly family is a huge part of that and i do like that it doesn't just stick to the the kind of standard you know blood relatives um as like you know the best and I feel like we've talked about this in a lot of different podcasts um it certainly is something that comes up a lot in uh anime I think um partly because and uh (laughs) Chiaki call me out if what I'm saying is completely off base but um because the um I think that the ties of blood family are still culturally a lot stronger and more uh highly lauded in, uh, just kind of Japan in general, as opposed to the U S where, I mean, you definitely get that, that sort of family vibe, but there's still that sense of being able to break. It's okay to like break away from your family. If things aren't working out kind of thing, I think is a little bit more common, um, in Europe and the West, as opposed to, I think in Japan, there's still very much this idea kind of baked into the culture, um, from centuries, uh, that, you know, like, no, but. They're your parents, so you need to uh, kind of always, uh, you know, forgive them and be loyal to them and, and listen to them and that kind of thing.
1: That's definitely a case. Uh, family is... It's not everything, but it's definitely... No, no, no. A strong bond in, in Japan. To the point, you know, bonds are so important to Japanese families because also identifies you as a japanese person you are from that family you are you know citizenship is entirely based on you being on a family register of japanese descent right mhm uh-huh. so a lot of the times dis, you know being disowned getting a divorce those kind of things are huge deals in japanese culture Compared to, you know, in American culture, you're like, I don't want to be married to you anymore. We can get a divorce or, you know, kids get thrown out. No, usually it's you're in this family and you either, you know. If you decide to leave, you're more ashamed to the family rather than no longer considered a part of the family.
2: No, no, no. I, I, I think that I think that makes total sense. And so, yeah, so I think that and so I think it's... Um it gets explored more in i think it gets explored a lot in uh, japanese media especially young adult media and there's it definitely feels like there's been an uptick recently you know with stars align coming out as well um this past mm-hmm. year in like i've there's some stories i've seen come out uh, like in your lie in april there's a parent who is straight up abusive and the story um goes out of its way to like excuser and kind of forgive her and it's very uncomfortable the way they do it like I think I mean and like that's not to say that like you know you can't you can't have a relationship you, you know what I mean like I'm not trying to say that like it's mm-hmm. totally wrong to to try to repair those those relationships with with family members or what have you um, but the way the series plays it is very much like well obviously it this this person was just had your best interest in the heart and it's like no 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 they were straight up abusing you and so I do like that um, in some of these more modern stories like in Sarazama and Stars Align, there is more of a push back against that against that that, that thread in, in media um, so that, you know, like Toei's brother sucks and I think the show does a good job of showing how much he sucks while still being very sympathetic to the fact that Toei is still, connect, still wants to be connected to him because they are brothers. Um, but at I feel like this is word salad, what I'm saying. Um, but but at the same mm-hmm. time, like, the found family is clearly the healthiest part of Toei's life. Like, like getting to know Kazuki and Enta um, is, is clearly the thing that is helping him more than his shitty brother. Um, and I think the narrative um, throws that through. And then, you know, you kind of have the same thing with Kazuki, where he suddenly feels like he doesn't belong with his family because they're not related by blood. But then as the series goes on, you know, he and Haruka... Have a very close relationship despite not being um, full blood siblings, and then he's able to kind of repair those bonds with his parent, with his adoptive parents as well. So yeah, I think that's I think that's kind of a running thread throughout the series is is, again these different connections that don't necessarily have to be the traditional bonds. They can be, but they don't have to be.
0: I was uh, I rewatched a couple episodes because I was finishing up the dub, which is stupendous by the way. If you're into dubs at all, absolutely check this one out. It's
2: it's an amazing dub. Um They killed it with the songs. They killed it. I was oh so pleased God. with the dub. Yeah. They're
0: so incredibly hummable. Like <laughs> dangerously really hummable.
2: Oh yes. They, they stick in
0: my head. Um but well, I was surprised to find myself feeling a little bit softer towards Chikai by the time you know, like the fourth time I'd watched that episode. Um <laughs> but it's interesting. Like, the show does go in on the whole, well, he was doing all of this to try and separate you from him because he doesn't want you to get dragged down into this. But that, like, it it does play to those beats mostly so that you can understand why, why Toy cares about him. But it ultimately doesn't matter because he still fucked his brother up, like, a lot by doing all of this.
2: Yeah, I think, I think, and this is, I think, true of a lot of Ikuhara's works, where even the characters who suck, um, you there's there's a humanity to them. You can kind of sympathize with them and see where they came from, even if you don't agree with the methodology that they ended up using. Um, mm-hmm. And Shikai, I think, is definitely one of those characters where, yeah, watching it through a second time, there were a lot of things I liked about Sarazame more than I did the first time through. Um, and that, that relationship, I think, uh, ties better together once you kind of know where it's going
0: yeah I know that you like if I'm uh, if I remember right like you liked it okay but you weren't as like rapturously into it as I was
2: I I would have these really high peaks where it felt like everything was coming together really well um like the the kind of midway point where uh Kazuki and 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 friends have to go rescue Haruka um and they have that that kind of big emotional reunion Um, I thought that worked really really well I was all in for the first like two three episodes I think like when we were starting to get their backstories Um, and then I struggled with with bits and pieces and then like I thought the stuff with Rayo and Mabu at the end was really good but it just didn't quite feel like stuff was tying together and I still kind of have an issue with Toei's arc in that it feels how do I put this not just Toei like I think every Mm -hmm. character's story feels familiar in a way that I don't Love, like the older brother who got involved with the mob, is I, there's. It's kind of like it's it's picking up these sort of like traditional like melodrama beats, I guess. And I think it ends up taking them in some kind of unique directions. But like, I wasn't particularly surprised that Shikai died because that's kind of the way those story beats tend to go. Protecting his brother, like that's that's how that story goes. You know, I think I think we've all seen the the story of the the kid, the person who feels guilty for an accident that was only marginally their fault, um, that, you know, hurt somebody else, which is kind of what we see with Kazuki and Haruka. Um, although I do appreciate that this series doesn't go the, like, poor, suffering, invalid Haruka route. Like, Haruka's doing okay. Haruka is, like, Kazuki's the one who can't seem to, like, cope with the, with the current reality they're in. So it, yeah. So watching it through the first time, I think, I think I kept kind of getting hung up on that. Also, uh, spring 2019 was so fucking stressful for me for a lot of reasons, and uh, mm-hmm. so just like in general, I was having a hard time like gelling with a lot of media because there was so much else going on. Um, so I'm glad I rewatched it over Christmas. Um, and was able to kind of binge it and I watched the dub and um yeah I I enjoyed it a lot more the second time. Um I think some of I think some of my like issues with the the sort of cliche is not exactly the word but like archetypal beats um I think is still there but I think the way that the series pulls them off makes me care less about that.
0: Yeah, I think that is completely fair. I don't know how I missed the really upsetting suicide uh subtext in the last episode before by the way I was just re-watching that this afternoon mm-hmm. like
2: what, what what do you mean because you know oh. everybody
0: else cuts themselves off but like Toy has toy gets a gun and is told to uh, and the dub translates it in this really upsetting way where it's like pull put a bullet in your younger self it's like Jesus okay this is about depression and suicide okay 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 okay. okay. Oh yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. it was no, know unique there was something about the way the English version did it that mm-hmm. really clicked that element of it to me
1: I feel in a sense that's also what people who are contemplating suicide do which is you know cutting yourself off from all your support mm-hmm. you, you kind of isolate yourself so that you can say well I don't have any other options so therefore I can go right Right, Mm -hmm. so I think it it was definitely you know him systematically going through and erasing himself. It it fits the way people who are contemplating suicide may think. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and I don't. There's something about that particular element of his character arc clicking together that really. I think that's true with every all three of the boys in particular. Is that there's. There's some nugget to each of their characters that that does I what you were talking about, Dee, that kind of takes these archetypal things and gives them this very human element mm-hmm. that I think gives it more than the sum of its parts.
2: Yeah. And I and I kind of like, wonder because I'm like, like my Cara beautiful does. trash son.
0: Huh?
2: Oh, sorry. Enta? Uh-huh. Do you want to talk about Enta?
0: No. Yes. No, Go no, 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 carry on first, carry on.
2: Oh, I, what, I think all I, about I was going to say was, I think I was just going to kind of agree with you and then say that, Um, I mean, and that is, that's, watching it a second time, I started to think that maybe that was more intentional than I thought it was the first time through because, I mean, Ikuhara does like to play with traditional um, or well-worn story types and archetypes and then like kind of spin them in new directions. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think, I'm not sure it was as, obviously challenging archetypes this time through as maybe his other stuff has been, which is why it maybe took me a little bit longer to get on board with it rather than thinking he's just repeating the thing. he's not doing anything new with the thing. but mm-hmm. but yeah I think the way it, it came together and the way the the characters wind up having more more pathos than I think a lot of those um, again sort of like melodrama archetypes do um, because which is which is the segue right for you to talk about your trash son and uh, to the the you know sort of archetypal, boy who's in love with his best friend story oh
0: my trash people get mad about Enta, and i love him
1: yeah i'm one of like. those of mad people but go ahead
2: oh no we're gonna no, have fight about Enta. no get it all out first we're gonna
0: have to fight about Enta. <laughs> carry on
1: <laughs> no i mean i i feel he's out of the three like the least redeemable in a sense i just i know he's messy and he's supposed to be messy but i don't know just knowing how self-destructive how dis- you know how much he lashes out just kind of just made me mad at least with toy i'm like you're straight up a bad person sometimes but you have like a reason and uh, you're just you're just sad that kazuki won't look at you and that's that's some toxic things you you got right there, and I'm kind of mad at you.
0: I mean, you're not wrong. The thing is that you're not wrong at all. Uh, <laughs> and maybe it's because I see myself so much in Anta at that age. Uh, just that very putting on... That, there's something very 14 about putting on... That, that very unaffected, friendly demeanor while secretly being a little bit shitty and selfish and extremely self-sabotaging and jealous and just like this cocktail of emotions that you don't know how to deal with. And I think because like, yeah, he sucks. He sucks for a lot of the run, but he's also, I think, the character who comes the farthest and is the bravest when when he's explicitly handed the option to do anything and, like, Toy needs to be pulled out of it, Kazuki kind of comes along slowly throughout the story, but Enta explicitly makes that choice that I could have this selfish thing that I want, but I don't want it because I'm not going to throw away all of our development and do something and and this relationship that we have. For something that I now know wouldn't make us happy. It would make me happy. And, like, that's an incredible leap to make for a 14-year-old. He really, he's the Nanami of this series. (laughs) He's my boy. I'm so proud of him.
1: Happy for you, Bri. Yeah.
0: Ikuhara always has a character like that. I think it's why I'm probably going to end up liking Ringo and Penguin Drum Mm -hmm. if I don't miss my guess.
2: (laughs) You're not wrong. Um... Yeah, there's usually a character who... And I think and the thing that really helps with a lot of Ikohara stuff is his characters are usually somewhere between, like, 14 and 16, um, which is the age where I think you can do messy, shitty things, and there's definitely still a lot of time to grow from them. And to Sadazamai's credit, Enta uh, definitely gets punished uh, pretty routinely mm-hmm. for the shitty things he does throughout the show. Um, I, so I think, I think it's one of those things where it never feels like the narrative is condoning his, um, you know, kind of possessiveness and jealousy and, and like the sabotaging he does both of others and himself. Um, I don't, I don't see Sada Zanmai saying that, that when Enta is behaving that way, it's okay. But like you said, I think that he does end up having an arc where he sort of comes to terms with like, I should, why did I even do that? Like, I actually, I care about Toei and even if I didn't, like... Kazuki does and I'm being extremely selfish and petty um, and yeah like you said to make that, that choice at the end where he could he could have the, the thing he desired and he s- realizes like well no this isn't just about me that would be you know overriding somebody else's will and I'm not going to do that. Like that's that's
0: an incredible thing for to realize at that age. It's so hard to realize that relationships are a balance of multiple people's wants and not just managing other people's emotions so that you get the thing that you want. I was a shitty teenager you guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's fair. That is very fair. I'll agree with you there.
0: Yeah. And 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 like D said, the fact that he is kind of the comedy punching bag it is very ikuhara. And I just, I don't know, I feel extra protective of him, I think, because people were going in hard on, like, well, he's abusive, and he's shitty, and he doesn't deserve Kazuki, and I'm like, the narrative is already kicking the shit out of him, but can't you save this ire for, like, adults that the show thinks are great when they abuse, when they're explicitly abusive to people? Can we calm down? Please? There was, D, you mentioned earlier, like, the, the show taking a slightly more, a slightly less radical Bent on some of the archetypes than some of his other shows have mm-hmm. done, and I think you're right, and I think it's because it saved, like it saved its big chip to only do that with Rayo and Mabu's arc. Like that's the only one where I think, ah, oh, this is the most
2: ikukara. Yeah, and I think that's why that's the uh-huh. one that, especially the first time through, was the one that was at the most immediately clear to me what was going on there. Um, whereas the other characters, it, it took a little bit longer to kind of figure out what what was what he was sort of fiddling with with their with their arcs. Um, yeah, Rayo and Mabu. Talk about Rayon Mabu, you guys. I love them.
0: I wrote a whole essay about them.
2: You did, yeah. Um, oh, well, because they're kind voice. of what were you saying, Chiaki?
0: Oh, they good boys. <laughs> they, they
2: well, are. I mean, they're well, not Rayon's <laughs> they not. They kind of do very bad <laughs> things throughout the course of this series. Um, it's why they have to die. All cops
0: are indeed okay. bastards. It's why they
2: have to die <laughs> and be reincarnated. Um, you you have to die and be reincarnated if you're if you're a bad guy. Um who gets better through love usually queer love um Rayo and Mabu kind of remind me of the Amazon trio in Sailor Moon Super S like in terms of yeah characters who do like unquestionably terrible things and then sort of have a redemption arc and they get a happy ending but they're gonna have to start from scratch um Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah, they're shitty cops. I'm glad they stop being cops. I'm glad they they get their little metaphorical rebirth and.
0: Uh... Iguhara knows what's up with the cops. Like, pro- by far the scariest moment in the series is when Enta's in the hospital and Kazuki's like desperately like, no, you don't understand. It was the cops, and they're like, no, no, it was this criminal. Like, like that scene is so upsetting. If you are like any kind of marginalized person, it's, oh. It's especially
1: here. in japan especially if you're talking about japanese cops which are you don't question them they know who the, who's guilty
0: mm-hmm. yeah i like it's but i i think kuhara is definitely pointing a rather uh pointed finger at that especially with the fact that i think this is the first time i've ever seen a, an, an anime with weed in it
2: yeah i've yeah. i can't really think of another one where it's shown up quite as obviously as it does here like, I think I can definitely think of some shows where you see characters smoking and it's like, that could be pot. But, um, yeah, like, it, there's no question in this one.
1: No, I was gonna... I just remembered that bong hit Fushiko did.
0: Oh, that was good.
2: <laughs> okay, there we are. <laughs> that is a great
0: gif. But that that wasn't a TV anime, that was an OVA, so it's okay for them to be edgy. I see. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's maybe underappreciated doesn't feel right that feels like not giving the audience enough credit people noticed it but like this is a show where the police are the systemic evil that are that are ruining our main character's lives like that is not nothing
2: yeah and i mean uh basically going around and uh murdering people with fetishes which to be fair some of those fetishes are harmful they are creepy and they are messing with other people's lives Uh um but some of them are just fetishes like they, you know, like everyone involved would be a, consent- a consenting adult, um, and it, mm-hmm. it, they make no distinction. Um, it's it's aberrant, so it has to be, you know, extracted for their for the Otter Empire's personal gain.
0: Yeah, like there's a lot in here about the commodification of desire, like between the the Amazon, the excuse me, the Capazon boxes, <laughs> yeah. and the fact that <laughs> that that Rayo and Mabu get repurposed after. You know, after they've been horribly traumatized by war to essentially, they've been given this great opportunity as long as they work against their own communities, as long as they become part of the system. It's fine. It's not fine.
2: Yeah, it's, I'm not, I agree with you that those are, those are definitely like pointed elements of the story. I'm not sure Sada Might comes together at the end as strongly on that front as it does some of its other hmm. ideas.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: um I think it ends up being more of a background element in favor of of kind of just the story of these um three boys trying to like you know get through life and and make connections with with one another and with other people um but that's not just but again it's definitely there I think that was one of the that's one of my minor disappointments with Sada Zanmai is it feels like it's building up this big idea about like exploitation through the powers that be and, you know, uh, like you said, like the commodification of um, kink or marginalized identities with, uh, you know, Rayo and Mabu can be together as long as they never say they love each other, because, um, which feels like a very point, I think, I think this is kind of what your article was about, too, like, it feels like a very pointed critique Mm -hmm. of a lot of um, fiction, like, outside of the, like, specific boys love genre where it's like these two are clearly a couple but they can't kiss and they can't say i love you because then that like runs up against i don't know broadcasting standards or uh what society deems appropriate or however
0: plausible deniability
2: however you want to however you want to word it um i think you can definitely see that with with rayon mabu's backstory about how like They'll die if they, the fact that they will like literally die if they, if they use the love word, um, which, you know, is always kind of one of the big points with these like heavily queer coded stories. So I think all, I think that is, I think that in itself is a really good sort of self-contained arc, but there's a lot of these other background elements involving like the on boxes and things that don't really feel like they go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Do you know, I mean, do do you know what I mean? Do you disagree with me? Like if I'm missing something, like, tell me
0: i don't i don't think you're wrong is the thing i think i think the reason it still works for me is that it feels like it feels like a generational store um story like this sort of success by increments like there's this very deliberate paralleling between mabu and enta where where mabu says well it you know okay i'll say i hate him because because, you know, clearly I can, I can show that I love him through my actions and it'll be okay. And it was not okay because Ryo's kind of shitty. Um, and then Enta very pointedly has that line, even joking, I couldn't say that I hate you. Like, he has that slight, ever so slightly firmer stance and it makes this world of difference. Mm-hmm. So I think in kind of, the, you know... Utena is an untouchable masterpiece. But <laughs> uh, as much as that series is about, you know, breaking down the whole system, it's ultimately about you can't bring down the system. You can only revolutionize yourself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's that same ethos in on my, like, especially with the last speech and all of that. But I don't, yeah. I so like, that really worked for me, but I also don't think you're wrong that it felt like it was going towards this sort of more cataclysmic place and then kind of didn't, and then ended up being this very personal conclusion.
2: Yeah, um, and I think, and maybe part of that is just that, um, because you know, I mean, I think a lot of uh, Ikuhara's works, it you know, criticize, critique a particular element of society, and then you know, end up rejecting that in favor of, um, I mean, usually things like you know, um, personal connections and emotional honesty and and whatnot. Um, and this, I, honestly, this could be one of those where it was like. Well, this time I'm trying to tackle like The Foundation of Capitalist Society itself. That one's kind of, kind of big. <laughs> you know what I mean? A little um, bit. It's so, because yeah. like, because like a lot of his other stories deal with issues like bigotry, which as complex and like massive of a problem as that is, like at the end of the day, like stop hating other people for being themselves is a relatively like straightforward answer. you know what I mean? Like it's not easy in practice, but mm-hmm. like the big broad answer there is, is relatively straightforward. Yeah. Um, Whereas I think with this one, because it's, like, so deeply laced in the characters' lives, like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of images of, you know, modern society and, like, the, the cap is on boxes and the commodification of desire. But then at the same time, you do have the characters, you know, connecting using their smartphones. And I so I think maybe it's just, it's such a it's so much bigger and more complex that he may have gotten to the end of that and went, uh, I don't know. Let's just try to be good to each other. Let's just start with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, be excellent to each other. End of series. Yeah,
2: basically. Uh, I don't know, Chiaki, what did you did you pull much out of uh, the, those those elements that were kind of flying around in the story?
1: I mean, in the end, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, they change Asakusa into, you know, Kappa territory to Frog territory, right? The Kappa are gone. And I feel like that's kind of a... It's supposed to mean something, I'm guessing. But I'm still not sure exactly what they were trying to go for. Um, Maybe the war is won and everyone's happy so everyone can go home now. I don't know. I highly doubt that's the case, especially when you know, as you said, in critiquing capitalist systems and all that, nothing you know, the the systemic root is still there. And it's just been replaced by something else.
0: Yeah, like all all he could think to do was was end with the the otter fading away, I'm always with you. <laughs>
2: Okay. Yeah, the Otter doesn't get Okay, could The Otter doesn't get nearly as soundly defeated as I think a lot of the um which again it left me feeling like there was a I, there was a little bit more of a catharsis that I think I wanted and I didn't quite get. Um but again, I think that also maybe just speaks to the the big complicated nature of um what the series is trying to push back against um and the fact that like, you know, it kind of it at a certain point it is just like they're 14 year old kids they can't topple the entire system as they are now but like you know um, keep holding on to those connections and trying to understand other people and um, don't and don't give up like that's really the like that's kind of the lesson of the story right like it's gonna hurt but keep going because it's gonna be worth it Um, which is good I think that's I think it's I think it's good the direction it takes the characters in the story and the fact that you know jumps into the river, but then Enta and Kazuki are there to kind of pull him out again, and that sense of, in the the little future snippets we see of, like, what the world could be like, there's a lot of, like, we're gonna keep, it's not like we're gonna magically solve our problems, we're gonna keep having, you know, problems, and we might continue to get into fights, um, but we can, we can work through that together. Um, which is, you know, I think all of that is good.
0: Yeah, I think there was a lot of, uh, A lot of readings, shall we say, of that- of the flash-forward stuff. Mm -hmm. I- I kind of like it as this potential, like, here is what would have happened to the three of you if you hadn't had this transformative understanding type thing. Mm -hmm. But I'm, you know, also, I'm sure, at the same time, the emotion of that, like you said, they will still fight, it will still be hard, but you have to keep going. Mm -hmm. I feel like- I feel like Ikuhara got depressed at some point. (laughs) There, there are very strong Evangelion twenty six emotions to some of, to some of these last beats.
2: Yeah, I can see that. I, I, I yeah, I, I see kind of what you mean there. Um, I like the way this one did it better because I don't feel like this one didn't feel like it was trying to solve depression. <laughs> this one felt like it was going. It's not. We're not going to be able to solve it in in a eleven episode anime. Um, we're just going to try to give you a few tools that you can use going forward. Um, so. <laughs> So I, I think this one gelled a little bit better for me because of that. Um, oh, there was something else I was going to say about the ending. And then just on a personal note, I was a little sad because I kind of wanted a canon poly ending. I was just just based on the okay, imagery. And good. The, just, just the trio. There was so much trios imagery throughout the series. And I kept thinking, oh, maybe we're actually going to go that route in an Ikuhara show. Um, and then it, it, mm-hmm. it, I, I think it really went more for a, no, these are three really good friends and they're, they're kind of a family with each other. I, I didn't really get the vibe that it was going to end up being a romance. Like, I hope Enta finds somebody, but I don't think it's going to be Kazuki. Mm. Oh, right. You disagree. He, all I'm
0: saying is that, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I don't, cause I think like the found family stuff is really strong and sweet and like the most important part, especially cause they were 14 and your children, you don't know what yeah. but also like. A, if I had to pick, if if I had to pick just a ship, uh, Enta and Toy have extremely strong duck and fakir energy, and I'm here for <laughs> it. <laughs> but also, I don't think the ending shuts out the the like a, a a a poly interpretation just because so much of the later language when they're older is still extremely romance coded. Uh, it- like in that flash forward stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get, are you are you talking about the um the possibilities section where they're like these these are things that could happen or are you talking about like the very very end when Toei yeah. gets out of juvie?
0: Yeah, uh the the, the possibilities section. Oh. And then I I've,
2: Yeah. Well, in that section, I mean, Ento gets rejected. Like he confesses to Kazuki and Kazuki turns him down. So, that's why I kind of got the read that the series wasn't going to go that route. Um, which again, it's, it's okay. I don't, and I, I wouldn't say that it's like a hundred percent not going to happen. I was just, I was kind of, I kind of wanted it to like go that yeah. route and it didn't. And I was a little bit bummed, but I think it really helps that Rayo and Mabu exist in the story as a canon queer relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's like, even if these 14 year olds like end up with other people and, and what they have is, is, is a friendship bond, like that's also important and good. And it's not like we're erasing, uh, queer folks cause there's other queer folks in the story
0: yeah for sure yeah you're definitely not wrong at all and it would have been nice to see it be more explicit on that front it's one of those cases of "Uh, i think the coding is still there but it's yeah it's coding
2: no my friend when i finished sauzama she asked me what i thought of it and i was like honestly wasn't gay enough (laughs) and she just started cracking up and i was like i don't know (laughs) Um, that was immediately upon finishing, uh, having rewatched it. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think I quite believe that <laughs> anymore. But uh, that was where I was right when I finished it. She was like, "I watched the first episode. Really, I wasn't gay enough for you?" I was like, "I don't know."
0: <laughs> um, oh, Chucky, thoughts gay enough? Um,
1: you know, when I finished watching the series, it reminded me of. Johnny the Gay Pimp uh, McGovern song. Soccer practice! practice.
2: (laughs) Thank you. I'm so glad Um, we got a reference to that in the podcast.
1: This this show really isn't about soccer, really, is it?
2: I don't think they're talking about soccer (laughs) at all.
1: (laughs) And you're right, because... (laughs) Um, No, so I felt that whole, you know, the future concept of them playing soccer together, I felt is more kind of looking into their own interpersonal relationships moving forward rather than Mm -hmm. um, just their own, their actual literal future. And I felt that there was still that very strong sense of there might be some romanticism or... Mm -hmm. Or well, romantic um, emotion still kind of tangled up into it, and it it's left a little unresolved. And I'm wondering if that's really something that needs to be resolved per se. Yeah. You know, it's.
2: Yeah, I agree. Again, upon further reflection, um, I think, like Raya said, they're they're 14. I don't think we need to be told that they're going to be together forever and ever. At at this point, um, it would be weird if they were. Truthfully. Um, Well, not weird, just... I guess it wouldn't be unusual for them to not, and it's a little strange to say with characters who are that young to say, like, no, this is definitely uh, their soulmates kind of thing. So I think leaving the door open is... um... A, a better smarter way to handle that story arc. So, yeah, I do agree with you. Though I kind of like this idea of what you're saying here as like soccer as um sort of a grand metaphor for their um relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. It's I, good. Because... I like it. I approve.
1: No, yeah, because it's kind of what brought them together. So, it can it doesn't necessarily have to be soccer, but you know, and treats his connection to Kazuki through playing soccer mm-hmm. as sort of the, you know, the crux of all of his emotions, all of his desire for mm-hmm. being with Kazuki, um, and then also Toy inviting Kazuki to, you know, or well, giving Toy the misanga, um, mm-hmm. also is the way they connected it, it could have been something else it could have been um yeah it can be literally anything else but it's just a matter that these three boys were connected through a sport that requires teamwork and mm-hmm. they're kind of floundering when they're not working together
2: yeah, I like that. I think I think that's a I think that's a really good read on especially like how the soccer imagery continues to be used and, you know, the idea of of, of passing the ball back and forth, um as they God, that would be now, now say I want to rewatch it and like pay closer attention to like how they use soccer throughout because I think that's like I always was vaguely you know, I was low key aware that soccer was like part of their relationship, but the idea of it being like more tightly connected to reading how they're feeling about each other I think that's really neat I like that a lot I have seen some folks online kind of talk about how it seems like it's maybe playing with um so many sports manga um have these like romantic undertones that a lot of readers read into them even though it's about you know rivalries and teamwork and friendship um it's not uncommon for people watching them to to read those romantic relationships in. And uh, as of recording this, I'm watching number twenty four, which is extremely unsubtle about it. And some shows are like like <laughs> some shows are more are some shows it, it's kind of maybe almost accidental. Other shows it seems intentional and subtle, and other shows it seems intentional and not subtle at all. Um, and so for <laughs> for Sada Zanmai to straight up say their teammates, and also Enta is in love with him, like explicitly just throw that out there. Um, is maybe another way that the series is kind of playing with these sort of common archetypes in, um not just like the BL genre, but more that, in fact, not even specifically the BL genre, but more that sort of gray area that exists in anime and manga, where it's like queer coded, but not explicit um, in kind of the same way we were talking about Reo and Mabu. So with the soccer being a part of that mm-hmm. as well, I, yeah, I, I, I should see if I can track down that article and we can link to it. Cause it was, it was a pretty neat reading. It was it. on a,
0: uh... It was on Anage. I, I can dig it I up. We did right, it in yeah. the link's post at some point. Okay,
2: cool. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah Chiaki, yeah. I-, I-, I like that reading of that final scene.
1: And also just speaking on Enta, um, when he's messing up the practice space mm-hmm. every day, uh, each night, I think that's like also speaking to how he doesn't want to confront his relationship with Kazuki and Toy. Um, and that's why he's self-sabotaging because he you know I've been there I don't want I don't want to talk about my relationship or something so you'll just be like oh uh oops there's other things we gotta do
0: right well and not just that like if he messes it up then they always have to continue recreating the, that happy day of them all coming together to fix this thing mm-hmm. They don't have to move forward from there mm-hmm. They can just right. have the thing that that he knows is is a good tie.
2: That's a much nicer way to read it, Rai, than the way I read that scene, which was, I read it as Enta doesn't want to share Kazuki with Toy, so he keeps messing up the spot in hopes they'll give up. Uh, and they keep saying, no, 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 this relationship is important to us, we're going to continue to repair it, even though somebody out there keeps trying to stop us from playing soccer together.
0: I think that's not, I, I don't think that is an incorrect or unsupported reading, but I think uh, maybe it's just because I shipped them a little bit, but I think that Enta, like Enta, likes having Toy around, but he hasn't like he doesn't know how to com- like quantify those emotions because like he's devoted to Kazuki, and and Toy is this asshole who is trying to take Kazuki's attention. But he's kind of fun to have around and argue with, and I can be shitty at him when I have to be like adoring and and enthusiastic and supportive for Kazuki all the time. Yeah. No. Oh no. What
2: do I? I could see that. No, and I I do agree that like Enta doesn't. Enta is jealous of Toy and possessive of Kazuki, but I don't think he... I think by, like, episode... Especially by that midpoint where the two of them work together to help Kazuki um, reach Haruka, um, I think at that point he... There's definitely a part of him that cares about Toy, even though he doesn't want to admit it. So, yeah. No, I could see that.
0: The series is good, actually. <laughs> like, not perfect, but... I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's so perfectly made for me. Like it's super gay and it's really pretty and super surreal and also it's a musical. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Cuz of course it is.
0: Like it's just it's so perfectly made for me and all the things that I like and I will never be able to not love it intensely.
2: And that is good and I am glad.
0: But I I <laughs> And I am glad that that both of you humored me after pestering you for months to do a retrospective podcast.
2: No, I'm I'm glad you did because again, it I had been wanting to rewatch it when I was maybe in a less fraught place and see if um my issues with it were actual issues or if I was just stressed out and wasn't enjoying anything at the time. Um, so I'm glad I got a chance to yeah. rewatch it. I think it's I think it is like most Ikuhara joints um it rewards rewatches um i think you start you see the threads better when you kind of know where things are going um and and now i have a a good reason to watch it again is to pay closer attention to the soccer imagery so thank you for that chiaki
0: you know chikai gives toy a soccer ball and he gives it away when he cuts himself off to be a tough crime boy and yeah except for (laughs) except he leaves that thing with kazuki and
2: Mm-hmm. This metaphor has legs. It's very good. There should be essays. <laughs> um.
1: If you'd like to write about this, feel free to pitch <laughs> to. Animefeminist.com. Yeah. No actually you are,
2: you are right. We are always we are almost always accepting pitches. Every so often we do have to we do have to close them down because we have an influx, but usually we're accepting pitches. So
0: does anybody have any final thoughts on the show before I kind of wrap us up?
1: I think I'm just happy I'm happy to... with uh, having had this opportunity to really revisit this series and you know have an opportunity to really have a second look because yeah it definitely helped
0: Jackie we're gonna do a Penguin Drum watch along it'll it'll be oh,
1: fun no.
2: and then you'll have I gotta to do... watch your ten and then you'll have to do a Penguin Drum rewatch along because once again it will reward you upon second viewing um <laughs>
0: Heck yes. Well listeners, if you want to tell us which which Ikuhara shows to podcast more about, do email us.
1: Only if y'all agree to doing a watch along with one of my trash shows.
0: We're not watching How Not to Summon a Demon Lord. I already suffered through enough yeah. of that. <laughs> Uh, so, thank you for joining us, Anna Fam. If you liked what you heard, you can find more episodes of this podcast by searching SoundCloud or your podcaster of choice for Chatty AF, or going to our website, www.animefeminist.com. And if you really liked what you heard, why not consider jo- tossing us a dollar on our Patreon at patreon.com slash animefeminist. Every little bit helps us go... Uh, go on putting content on the page and in your earbuds you can also connect with us on social media we are on tumblr at anime feminist we're on facebook at anime fem and we are on twitter at anime feminist and that about does us for this time until next time remember you don't actually have to choose between love and desire fuck i forgot to talk about that that was important